0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, cause here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Kind of. joining me in the studio, as always, is the co-host, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so join in that conversation on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH when you interact with us on the social media accounts. So we have our Facebook, we have our Instagram, we have our Twitter. We definitely like to have that conversation going after the podcast, so don't be afraid to jump in there. Let's have some interaction and let's go over the topics that we're going to be talking about today. Because we do have a stacked episode, actually. Kind of surprising with everything being on shutdown. Yeah. And we can't stress enough, please be safe, please be healthy, please stay home if you can. Wash your hands. Exactly. The more that everybody is doing this, the more that we get the C-19 nightmare over and done with and hopefully gone for good. So, with that being said, we do have some stuff to recap. Supergirl had a new episode this week. Plus, it's a birthday for one of DC Comics' most beloved superheroes. But first, let us jump into what is going to be the last Walking Dead episode for a while, if I read that
1: correctly, Pat? Well, as we sit here recording, of course, as we mentioned, C-19 is affecting a lot of things. Uh, The latest film to be delayed, among many others with Warner Brothers, uh, was Wonder Woman 84, well, which is pushed back. I want to say about a month or so, you know. So that, among many others, you know, is one of the many, many movies getting pushed back. So definitely something, you know, it's not a good thing, but it's understandable why it's going on. You know, movie movie sets and television sets are not small, crowded events or or things. It takes a lot of people to put these these shows and these movies together. Mm. You know, it takes you know a couple hundred, a couple thousand people when you really break it down from production pre-production all the way to the post-production to really get these shows done and you don't want to risk anybody's health for any reason whatsoever and so uh, as we sit here recording the walking dead uh season finale which it's not this isn't the last episode it appears okay uh it looks like we will have an episode uh on april 5th that being the penultimate episode And then the season finale was supposed to be on April 12th. But, however, due to the C-19 virus, that has been pushed back.
0: Okay. So I know there was a lot of information coming about that. So I do apologize about that. But this one is going to be a farewell for one of our favorite characters, as it turns Mm -hmm. out. Denai Guerrero announced at the beginning of the season that she was going to be leaving the show after being on since the end of season two, beginning of season three, when she came in in stunning fashion, saving Andrea being the badass, sword-wielding character Michonne.
1: Quite possibly the coolest reveal in, like, television history.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. Just the fact that if you've been a longtime reader of Robert Kirkman's zombie apocalypse story, you've been waiting to see Michonne appear on screen. And even, even back when she
1: debuted, I hadn't read the comics yet. So I didn't quite know who she was, but I still freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, who is this person? She has a freaking katana.
0: Yes. And how the character has progressed throughout the years to really become one of the forefront survivors in this zombie apocalypse world has really been just a truly great performance. And like I said, Guerrero has been crushing it in the role of Michonne. And now is even going on to bigger uh, feature film roles as she has appeared in Black Panther. And I know she has a couple other projects coming down the line as well. So, when it was announced that she was leaving, a lot of fans, including us, were very bummed out, but understandably, we know what's going on, Yeah, that you know she's moving on to bigger, better things, especially being in the zombie apocalypse now for 10 years. Yeah,
1: that's a long time for anybody to be on anything.
0: Right. So it's completely understandable, and we're all wondering, okay, well, how is she going to go out? Is she going to go out the way that Andrew Lincoln's character of Rick Grimes did in very uh, over-the-top fashion? Anticlimactic. Yeah, definitely anti classic this, this is the end of Rick Grimes. J.K. He's still alive. Yes, or is it going to be the way the Chandler Riggs character of Carl went out? You know, it's, it just depends on how you want to draw it. So we were waiting to see what happened, and obviously, this is something that we've been very critical of on the show is when actors announce their leaving shows before the season premieres, and not just
1: on AMC and Walking Dead. We're looking at UCW. Uh
0: huh. Very very closely, we're looking at UCW. Because that just throws such a wrench in everything going on. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, okay, how is this going to end? And we finally find out what's going to happen with Michonne on here. Because as what's been going on this entire season has been the Whisperer War since they've come back from the midseason break. And it's been very up and down. Some episodes have been really good. Some have not been the best. Obviously, coming off the heels of last week's big move by Negan to kill Alpha, because we are talking spoilers, which uh-huh. we give you the fair warning every time. We we're really waiting to see how everybody's shaken up. And it's one thing when you have a big cast like The Walking Dead uh-huh. that a lot of characters, I don't want to say fight for uh, screen time, but it's a very big task to get everybody equal time.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's and people fight for screen time, but it's understandable, and it's, it's harder to manage than other shows because it's not like, say, a Legends of Tomorrow or a Flash where... Yeah, there's other characters on the screen, but, like, okay, there are very obviously secondary characters. They're not very important. You've got the core group of characters. Everybody, like, I realize there's fan favorites, and there's popular ones like Negan and, and Carol and Daryl and Michonne and and Judith. But, like, everyone it, like is kind of, like, on an equal footing. Yeah, there's characters who are slightly more important than others, but, like, you can't snub some of these other characters for the
0: story. Right. So, obviously, Michonne has been written off or past couple episodes where she was following Virgil to get back to his camp, a stranger mm-hmm. that they came across and was begging for help. And Michonne was trying to investigate what's going on. And Virgil was promising about weapons to help fight in the war against Alpha. So Michonne has left the camp to go assist Virgil. And when this episode takes off, they arrive at their destination, but find out that Virgil has not exactly been on the up and up about everything. No. And, I don't want to say this was very surprising because in The Walking Dead, there is very few genuine people that (laughs) come across that uh, group. Mm -hmm. It always becomes a struggle to see, okay, who's going to be trying to pull what? And where are you going with this? I mean, we've had everything from, what, cannibals to... Uh, just other groups just trying to steal and take over. Anything
1: and, under the sun you can think of has y- been on the show.
0: Yeah, it's just been 10 years of just absolute insanity involving zombies and how people are reacting to mm-hmm. it. So this episode, we knew something was going on with Virgil. We just didn't really know what. Right. And when they're going through the naval base as it is approaching because he's trying to get back to his camp via boat, Michonne is fighting through everybody there. And this is... I don't want to say telegraphed, but it kind of was. It's like you mm. knew something was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it before in other
1: shows. Yeah. And it, movies.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't anything like groundbreaking. Right. But it was still entertaining, nevertheless, because once that Michonne realizes she's been trapped, mm-hmm. Virgil actually gets the upper hand on her, which doesn't happen very often on the show. It's a
1: very Lord of the Rings-esque, like when Gollum betrays Frodo. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's just very out of nowhere, and when Michonne is trapped, she's in a cell, and she hears voices next to her. So this is obviously throwing a little different dynamic in there because it's just not Virgil and Michonne there. There are other people involved in this group. And while Virgil is in there trying to explain what's going on, he winds up doing something very out of left field for me anyway. I didn't see this one coming. Mm-hmm. He
1: winds up drugging Michonne.
0: Yeah. With, yeah, definitely
1: questioning the motives here.
0: Yeah, which with the hallucinogens and something to make her absolutely trip out because we get into one of the weirdest this-is-your-life moments yeah. I have seen in recent memory. Yeah, it definitely threw me for a loop. Yeah, it definitely threw me for a loop as well, Pat, because I was not mm-hmm. expecting this to be how they reenact her life.
1: Well, I mean, we kind of had a hint that something was coming because we were seeing shots in the preview for this coming episode that were very clearly... Staged to be earlier on in the show. I mean, I, I think there was even the one shot in the previews where it was like her first appearance, where it's her in the hood with the two zombies on on the chains. Mm-hmm. So we knew in some fashion that like we'd be seeing some sort of flashbacks or something, which would make sense. You know, a character's been on the main character's been on the show for 10 years and she's leaving. You're gonna do something like that, but I did not see it coming in the form of, you know, doing some drugs.
0: Right, because during this hallucinated state. We see Michonne reenact where she interacts with Andrea. Mm -hmm. And instead of saving Andrea, she leaves her for dead. Yep. Which really changes the course of everything. Mm -hmm. And as you see how she is progressing through this, that you see her having a distant interaction with other members of the group. There's one scene where Daryl passes her by and doesn't try saving her. Right. There's another one where I believe Sadiq was involved in, mm-hmm. that was very early on before anybody joined the groups. And then you have probably the the most fan-reacted scene of all mm-hmm. where you see Michonne confront Negan and the Saviors early before right. anything happened with the different groups. And you see that Michonne winds up joining Negan right. and company and after having a great exchange with Jeffrey Dean Morgan who like I say every time he comes on there just oozes charisma and just is the villain you love to hate but you're mesmerized just at in the interaction and w- between Guerrero and her and him is just spot on perfect mm-hmm. and as you see she winds up joining that camp yeah. and you see the reenactment from when Rick's ill-fated plan to invade the sanctuary or one of the satellite camps and you see their group just go on the random killing spree. Mm-hmm. You see how Michonne reacts to this and who she takes out. Yeah. And it's a very cool throwback to a lot of scenes that we forget about at this stage because, yeah. I mean, that has been so many years ago. And it sounds so weird to say that. Mm hmm. But it's a very honest fact
1: i mean it's a long-running show and let's face it everyone's got a lot going on in their lives
0: but just to see where everybody is at this stage too just the early on reenactments and you see you know certain characters like glenn comes back and and you see where he's having the question of conscience but then you see how michonne rectifies that very quickly yep and you see that there's a standoff between her and rick and then you see the infamous Negan bat scene. Meeny, meeny, miny, mo But then you see how it's turned over to Michonne to handle. Yeah. And it's so wild to see this. It was almost like a what-if comic series. Yeah, which I loved. I thought that was a great idea to do this. Yeah. Because it was just going to be the certain flashbacks. I, I don't think it would resonate as well, but this no. one was just a really cool throwback and a different twist on it. it yeah, no, it,
1: it was definitely very cool because that's something inevitably as fans we always, you know, when you're talking with other fans or even just sitting there, idle time when your mind is wandering. If you're thinking about a show or a game or a movie, oh, what would have happened with this? What would have happened with that? I mean, it's a very natural thing and it, and it's fun to do, but it was also very, it was also very cool to see the show and the creators take on it on. Oh, what would have happened if she didn't save Andrea, but instead left her for dead? What would have happened if she didn't join Rick's group, but ended up with Negan?
0: You know, the only thing about this scene though, mm-hmm. that I, I was slightly disappointed but I understand. Obviously, you want to focus more on her being away from the group because it wouldn't have tied in. Mm-hmm. We didn't see a governor appearance. Mm, that's true. We didn't see that. But obviously, if she wasn't involved with Andrea at that time, we yeah, they would never have crossed paths.
1: That's you know what you have a point there. Yeah. So
0: that was the only thing I was waiting to see David Morrissey appear. I was like, that okay. great. I was like, okay, maybe this would have been like just in a passing scene going by and just Michelle yeah, take maybe, out everybody, maybe. But I digress. But yeah. this still, we had the great scene where. Michonne winds up being a high-ranking member of the Saviors, and what happens to that group? they will say uh, his right-hand gal. Yeah, and just how things would have changed so dramatically. I put it to you this
1: way. If Michonne was with Negan and ran with his crew, Rick's crew wouldn't have been able to handle it. Oh, it would have
0: been over. Game over in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it, it definitely would not have stood a chance against te- Negan and Michonne on the actual same page from the jump. Mm-hmm. We've been out of control for that show. And, yeah, just the different dynamics you would have seen come in. But once Michonne comes to, this is where she gets back down to basics, which, like I say, this the whole scene where she is just reliving her life took out a good portion of the episode. So that's why I was if it sounds like really condensed like we're jumping ahead, we're really not because this was a good, I would say, what, 20 minutes of the show?
1: Uh, give or take, yeah. Yeah,
0: so obviously for being on for an hour, it takes up a big chunk of time. But once she comes to, she does what Michonne does best, kick ass, and take no names. And ask questions very much later. Mm-hmm. Because she winds up stabbing Virgil who goes in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to force her to take more drugs. Well, it gives her a drink, you know, gives her a tray or whatever
1: it was. She grabs a fork and just stabs him in the calf.
0: Yes. And winds up freeing everybody else. And then as soon as the group escapes with Michonne, they look for the boat and the boat's on fire. hmm So now Virgil, who has been stabbed, is still running, and then they wind up going to the armory section of the naval base. Now, this is where things are going to be left for moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds kind of weird saying, but when Michonne goes in there and starts digging around the armory, she finds what pad? Rick Grimes' boots. Yep. And thus, obviously... The boots
1: of a supposedly dead man.
0: Yes. At At least to her. We know as the viewers he's alive. She doesn't. Right. Which is a very interesting dynamic to throw it back to because... We do know that he was rescued on a helicopter. Mm-hmm. It did look like an army medic ho- helicopter.
1: so Or some sort of military
0: helicopter, yeah. Right. So have they been going to this base this entire time? Ooh, it would make sense. What's the dynamic
1: there? Well, and especially it's confusing for her and it throws her for a loop because she thinks he's dead. There was a giant explosion And nothing was left. You know, I think, well, all they found was his gun. Yeah, they only found the gun. They only found his gun and and his hat were the only things that were there. You know, but outside that, there was nothing there. So you walk into this random armory with weapons and ammo and everything else. And there happened to be the boots of a dead man you watched explode and couldn't find any shred of.
0: So now, being hopeless, she now has hope Mm -hmm. that Rick is somehow alive because the boots have been found. So this takes her on a dramatic turn from what she was going to do because i was fully expecting her to kill virgil yeah i, I was fully expecting and we're going to thank you for wasting my time i'm going back to camp but you're not coming with me i'm leaving you for dead no she winds up letting him live which goes back to the whole rick philosophy i guess
1: yeah and it shows how much she's how far she's come whereas season one they're not season one season three, three she would have off the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you you wronged me. You screwed me over. All right. Head's coming off. Like, no questions asked. No thought about it. But that's just show how far she's come as a character.
0: Right. And it just goes to show that when you give time for characters to develop and just seeing from where they start from point A to point B, it, the real great ones really rise. And Michonne has been such a welcome addition on the show since she's been in the comics that... She rivals Daryl for popularity, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I would say that's a very fair statement yeah. to make. So that being said, you know when she now is having a resurgence of character and now a big shift in her you know, direction, that now she is going to focus on finding Rick, that she's not going to return back to camp. It does add a bit of, I don't want to say tension, but mm-hmm. obviously where she should be back at the camp helping Yeah. The uh, you know the survivors, not the saviors, fight Alpha and the Whisperers. She's now going off on her own mission. Yeah, she does let Judith know, right, that Rick is alive. So well, she
1: well Judith asks if her father
0: is alive, and she can't give her a straight answer. Right, but now that she's talking via walkie-talkie, and she says, "This is what's going to happen. I am going to go find your father."
1: I think it it makes all the sense in the world, though, just because you look at the headbutting that has happened in previous episodes, you know, within the last what season or this last season or this season, you know, her heart and her where her love and care ultimately lies is with Judith, obviously, Mm -hmm. her son, and then Rick. And she knows, Okay, Judith is more than capable of taking care of herself. She's displayed that in abundance. You know, and and the the camps are going to be able to take care of themselves. You know, if, if there's one thing she's learned, leaders come and go, things stay the same. They kind of they they get better, even if you want to say that, you know. So ultimately, at the end of the day, she knows if, they're, if we're going to make it through this, we need Rick.
0: Yes. Now, there has been no indication that Rick Grimes is going to come back to the show. The only thing that we know is. Andrew Lincoln is slated for that movie trilogy yeah. that is allegedly going to come out at some point. Now, this is all pre-C19. Mm-hmm. So, that being said... It,
1: from what I've seen, I haven't even heard anything about it filming. Like, outside of them announcing it on Talking Dead after Rick, quote-unquote, left the show, there's been
0: nothing about it. Right. So, we don't know what's going to happen there. And I don't think Denai is going to be a part of that project per se i wouldn't be surprised if maybe she turns up for one of them maybe in the third one Uh, yeah third one but for right now the only thing that we know is as she's going on her search for rick she does come across some people that are trying to catch up to some troops that are marching ahead of them Mm -hmm. and obviously this ties back into the whole military helicopter found rick yep whatever uh the group is that he is now captured and involved with because Mm -hmm. we don't really know too much about that group. And other than it was involved in the junkyard (laughs) uh, leader there, and I'm blanking on her name. I want to say Polly, but I don't think it's that. Uh, We just go into the sense of, okay, what's going to happen now? And this is how Michonne is going because now she has her new mission. So she'll be taken off to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be an interesting way to write her off because if she wanted to come back to the show, a la uh, Maggie, it does give her an an option to come back.
1: Oh yeah, they br- they bring her back in a
0: heartbeat. Oh yeah, there's no question about that. They definitely would bring her back. And she is a welcome addition there. And just it depends obviously with what's going on with her movie situation now mm-hmm. because that's going to take off, you know, and go so many different directions that I don't think that she will she will be coming back. Maybe for a cameo in that third movie. That's the only thing I could really see happening. Other than that, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I think they're definitely
1: setting her up to appear in one of those movies just because just the way they wrote it and the way it was shown that, like, if they really wanted to write her off and, like, have no inkling of, like, her ever coming back, you would have killed her. Yeah. You know, but instead they went into the quasi right off into the sunset moment, but it wasn't really a right off into the sunset moment because they very specifically set it up and kind of did things where it's like, okay. She's looking for Rick. Mm-hmm. She's following the breadcrumb of that's possibly leading to Rick. Like She's not going to be gone forever. She might not come back to the show, but I think she'll show up in one of the movies.
0: Probably, and, and like I said, it makes the most sense. But overall, Pat, let me close this segment with this. Mm-hmm. Was this a fitting send-off for Michonne?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say so. It, it was a fun look back at... You know, her time on the show in a different twist that wasn't just a, hey, you're going to sit here dazed and confused for most of the episode, reliving maybe some cut scenes from episodes we had already filmed. You know, it was a different take and a fun take.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to agree. I mean, like I say, ever since Danie Guerrero has appeared on the show, it's always been scene stealing. It's always been badass. It's always been everything you wanted to see from the character that you've read in the comics. And this episode was a fun little, this is your life, obviously twisted up to see what could have happened if she didn't join the group. But now that she has a refocused purpose of being involved in Team Rick and now the new mission to go find him, I think it's a fitting way to center off because where she started, she was a person that had no journey and no goal to be just other than to exist. Now she has a purpose to go for Mm -hmm. and it's going to be really fun to see if they want to address it whenever that movie decides to come out but let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What did you think about this past week's Walking Dead episode? Did you think it was a fitting tribute for Michonne or do you think it should've gone in a different direction? Let's have the conversation. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, The time has come for our fourth annual live stream
1: for The Cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever.
0: Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute.
1: Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.
0: Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Bington. Woo! Coming back for the segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's talk some Supergirl, shall we? Okay. Now we usually focus on the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow because you, the ODPH Society, hit us up and always have those questions about those two shows from the CW universe.
1: And also, since Arrow is now over and done with, Flash is kind of taking pick, picking up the uh, flag, as it were, and it's now the flag bearer, the standard bearer for the Arrowverse. Right.
0: So with <coughs> those two episodes not happening this week they're on hiatus till the early part of april i want to say uh, april 7
1: yes i believe so
0: this week was a new episode of supergirl and i actually got a chance to catch in uh, catch up a little bit so seeing what was going on i'm gonna be talking some spoilers so in three two one the episode definitely threw a little curveball for being somebody that has not caught up to the show obviously since episode 100 which i mean anytime you have mr Mixel will click in it's always gonna be fun to watch oh yeah but this episode didn't focus on melissa vannone's who plays Kara. This really focuses on shy who plays Alex Danvers, and dealing with the death of her father, mm. which was kind of a really interesting surprise that I was not expecting to see on this episode because it was written off that Jeremiah Danvers had died of cardiac arrest helping alien refugees mm-hmm. in this new world that you know Lex Luthor is running, and it's just so weird to see the fallout of Crisis Infinite Earths hit him there. Yeah. Just to see what's going on there, and Alex does not handle this very well. This whole understandably episode, so, yeah. That she kind of feels that with Jeremiah Danvers and everything that's been going on secret with him and Cadmus and faking his own death to begin with, and that obviously he was alive, but then in contact her, she's dealing with a lot of guilt issues. And it's a I'm, lot
1: to take on in a short amount of time.
0: Oh, absolutely, and it's just one of those things that you understand what's going on because she's always felt that she's been in the shadow of Kara. The car, obviously being the the big superhero, the mm-hmm. alien with the powers, yeah. that it's a little more focus on her to keep her safe from people that would try using her to become a weapon. And, mm-hmm. and obviously everything goes on with being an alien, that Alex has some you know, pent-up frustration and pent-up issues that are coming out now and she's not handling this news well. No. To the point where you're seeing her drinking during the day and she's becoming very reclusive. And you're really seeing her... Go into some places that you haven't seen in a while that she's just really not accepting what's happened, and what is going on too is obviously this season has been the focus of Leviathan, and since they've come back from Crisis on Infinite Earth, Lex Luthor has taken a very interesting focus on Leviathan. Now, what his endgame is going to eventually be is anybody's guess. Let's say I, it's Luthor. It's it, hard to guess. It's Luthor. It's hard to guess, so that's why I'm not even trying to. Because even though when I think I figure it out, that's when it usually gets turned on sideways for me. Mm -hmm. So I am not even trying to figure this one out. But he's obviously focused on Leviathan. And one thing that is going under the Leviathan banner is these Obsidian Platinum lenses. Now, the easiest way to describe these are it's basically contact lenses. They'll send you into a VR world. Okay. So... You see, or you see Alex rather, putting these on, and trying to get out of the real world and go into—I don't want to say her happy place—but you see where she wants to just escape reality. Yeah. And what happens when she goes here, Pad? She winds up becoming what she wants to be in life, and as a superhero. You
1: really—it's—it's it's almost like a—you uh, you, know—it's uh, uh, a Wonderful Life type scenario where oh, you—you you really think the world would be better off without you? Here we go. Right.
0: But this is where she goes, and she becomes her version of Supergirl. And she has the full suit, albeit, though, it looked like the Superman black suit. Mm, okay. So it was a very different color scheme. She had a black wig on, long mm. hair, which we haven't seen that in a very, very long time. So when this is going on, you see her that she is going and meeting up with other people in this VR world that she meets up with somebody else that is almost like an Indiana Jones type and it's escaping what's going on in her life because one of her sisters has a cancer diagnosis. Ah. And there's somebody else in there that is, I almost want to say it reminded me of Peter Capaldi playing guitar in Doctor Who <laughs> in one of the mall scenes. And is just all these people that are escaping into this VR world And in this world, too, there there is also NPCs, non-player characters, in case anybody's not too familiar with that term. So it's a weird, like, hub where people are getting together. Sure. And this is all being ran under the Leviathan banner, which is kind of wild, too, because people don't know what's going on with them. One thing since Leviathan has been introduced in the comics is they are a very super secretive organization that runs through DC Without the attention of many of the heavy hitters, mm-hmm. I mean, Pat, you've read the comics, so you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've escaped under Checkmate, yeah. Suicide Squad, Yep, um, Batman himself. Yeah. So anytime that you're pulling something under those people's eyes, you're definitely a big threat to worry about. Oh yeah. And this is where we see that Alex is losing herself into this world that she's being that she's really just doesn't want to deal with reality and being around other people she gets to do what she wants to do, and that's save the world. And obviously being Supergirl, she gets to go do such actions. Like Mm -hmm. when a helicopter, you know, when there's like an alien attack, she gets to fight and she gets to save. And when, you know, the crew is, or the people around her are cheering her on, she finally gets to be the hero that she never thought she could be. And it's a very interesting way to see that this has been something she wants to do, even though she does great work with the D.E.O., she has always felt that she's under the shadow of Supergirl.
1: Yeah, so it very much reminds me of uh, the fourth Harry Potter book, I want to say it is, where, you know, Ron finally, you know, has had enough of living in Harry's shadow of being, oh, you know, he's my best friend and all, but he's this internationally famous wizard that, like, everyone gawks over. And you can kind of make the same comparisons between Alex and Kara, where, like, okay, not everyone knows Kara is Supergirl. But like Alex does, and she has to deal with you know the oh my sister is this big internationally you know you know even you know intergalactically famous superhero, and I'm just me.
0: Right, and obviously with everything that's been retconned, because once she had her memory wiped and now it's back, and with everything falling fallout from Crisis, you know Alex is just still dealing with so much emotional burnout that. Her to escape into this world is is a welcome relief. Yeah, albeit though it's almost like when you escape into one of these you know VR games and you're there for a long period of time. It's you seem to forget what's reality and what's not.
1: It's almost too much of a good
0: thing. Yeah, it's it's just it one. You hit it right on the head. Pad gaining in doses. Yeah, you need to pause and get out of the game. But for a lot of people, and they even make a mention that the guy playing guitar has been in there for days and mm-hmm. he doesn't even realize it. And then they flash out of it to show that these bodies. It almost reminds me of this weird scene from Doom Patrol I've seen a very, very long time ago, not the not the TV show, but the comic. Okay. And you see all these bodies on gurneys, and then you see above them are more bodies wrapped up and hmm. floating, and then more on top. So all these people are basically connected through a big server uh, because they're all taking the kind of like the world. Matrix. Yeah, it's just as weird, like hub of bodies yeah and everybody's hooked up in there and like, so it a... sounds
1: just like the matrix that scene towards the beginning of the movie where neo finally wakes up and there's that giant circular whatever the heck that thing was
0: right so i mean during this entire time this is when you're seeing that this is not what is all cracked up to be mm-hmm. and when this is all what is not cracked up to be this is when everybody starts getting worried and you see alex's girlfriend is getting worried at this time too and you're seeing that this is drawing the attention of other people involved, that is just not the easiest thing to deal with, that you see with Kelly, um, Alex's girlfriend is, is investigating what is going on in the connection between Luthor and Leviathan. And that's never good for anybody mm-hmm. to be connected to. Because once it turns out that they're doing some investigating, they find out there's some cover ups going on. They find out that, well, you know, Luthor is now a newest board member of Obsidian. Oh, boy. So when this is going on, they're, you know, he's doing the PR thing, but then he's kind of flipping it on it. And it's just kind of really crazy of just how the reporting is going on this. Because with Kelly and William on the show, it's a weird dynamic to see somebody else step up other than Jimmy Olsen, but this is kind of a cool thing that they're doing, and they're investigating to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And with Kelly trying to be involved in this too, she goes and tries going in to save Alex herself. So this is when, in the VR world, it gets all types of crazy. That you see Alex is involved with uh, you know, the characters of Dreamer and Brainiac 5 in the VR world too. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing just how that she's stepping up and how Kara's the damsel in distress at this point too. And you're seeing the return of one Hank Henshaw, aka Cyborg Superman. (laughs) I hated how they did that introduction on the show too. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just (sighs) Alright, I don't even get on a tangent of it. Not my favorite thing in the world. Even though David Harewood, who has done an amazing job playing John Jones, and Martian Manhunter and, and Hank Henshaw it was great in the role. It's still one of those situations where it's like... Ah, okay. So what
1: you're saying is they need to add Rick Grayson to make things better.
0: Oh, you shut up about Rick Grayson, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into that next segment. But I digress. For this one, though, you do see you know the mixing back and forth, and you see how Alex is you know getting persuaded about what's going on. And when this is all happening it's really affecting her toll because now she's kind of really dealing with what's going on with what she's running from and just different interaction from other people in here that it's just one of those like really kind of wild ideas that's, you know, spawning out of control because every time that somebody's uh, trying to let her know Mm -hmm. you're trapped in this VR world, Alex is just kind of denying it and even like Kelly is trying to text her and saying what's going on she's not answering it, and you see that Alex is just finding out, like, okay, something's wrong. Because even then, when they get back to their one alien bar that's Mm -hmm. going on, and there's this, like, weird karaoke scene, which I still don't understand, so I'm not even going to try getting into that. You do see somebody else comes in as Supergirl. And it's kind of a weird, like, hey, you're Supergirl, too. And then where Alex comes in, and she's talking with the Indiana Jones character, I believe Tilly is her name you see that Alex is now realizing that she's been in this game too long and something's mm. going on. And this is when you see you start seeing Kelly is trying to get in there and, and enter the simulation herself because when she can't get her out of this, she's trapped in there. And when they try going in there, it's just more of back and forth until it finally takes enough of the combinations of people in there to really snap Alex out of there, which, I don't know. I, I kind of was like, all right, it, it's too easy for tv to really wrap that show up sure because when you see eliza danvers show up obviously with everything going on with the family you see other characters are involved and npcs and then just kind of gets weird but you finally see that alex comes to grip with what's going on so Mm -hmm. she winds up snapping out of it and then once she gets back into the real world she starts going okay this is obviously something that is going on that needs to be stopped And when the new team of Kelly and William are trying to figure out what's going on and they try stopping where they track down the lead is for the the Obsidian Hub, we'll just call it. Yeah. It turns out that it's covered up. And who is behind said cover-up? One, Ava Tesmacher. Oh, boy. Now, if you know who that character is involved with, one, Lex Luthor. Mm Mm-hmm. It's never a good thing. So that storyline is going to take a different direction as the season progresses on more and more because they do have some leads to go into. But if you know anything about Lex Luthor, if he knows you're on your tracks, uh, you might not be around too much longer.
1: Let's say keep your uh, eyes on
0: both going around on all sides. Yes, because now with Alex knowing what's going on too, it's going to be interesting dynamic to see what comes on. And then she does go to the service uh, for her father. And she does you know have that moment where she meets up with Kara and, I mean, it obviously, comes to terms with everything going on. Mm-hmm. So overall, though, I thought it was a good episode. I'm not trying to rain on it too much. It was a nice little curveball to see Alex get some time on the screen and really kind of show we can do. Because, like I say, Shyler Lay on the show has always been great as Alex Danvers, and to have a little break from the traditional Kara Danvers storyline, I'm okay with. There's just a lot of new characters ever since they they've come back this season that I still have been gelled with me a little bit. Mm. And obviously with John Cryer being on as Lex Luthor, you know that, that that's a great time. And, I mean, not every episode can have Thomas Lennon playing Mr. Plick. I get it, but, you know, you really want to see, okay, well, if you're going to be doing some different takes on characters, okay, can they really step up? And this one I thought they did because they really were trying to set up for something down the road. And with everything going on with Leviathan and Alex – it's going to be a really interesting take to close the season out. So I'm very interested to see what our listeners have to think about this pad because I know we don't we don't really catch up to it too much because usually yeah. the flash is what stirs the drink, and that's yeah. obviously when you give us the feedback that you want to talk about something, we try making an emphasis to watch it so we can have the interaction with you. We did have some people ask about Supergirl too, so this is why we're kind of touching upon it. And like I said, the season since it's come back has been very good. I mean, I'm not saying it's great, but I'm saying it's been a step up from where it's been. I mean, obviously, season one of Supergirl was, May. yeah, but since they've come back and dealing with Leviathan and really kind of taking elements from the comic and mixing it in here has been good. John Cryer back on the show is always even money, so I am always happy with that, and even when they had Win return from his being in the future and, and just that cool storyline, that's been cool. They do go a lot of different places on Supergirl, and I do respect them for doing that because it's not all typically the same cookie cutter. That's why I like seeing how out of a show. Some episodes work, some really don't for me. This one I thought was a pretty good one. Not really something that's leaving a lasting impression, but to give some other characters like Alex Danvers some time, can't go wrong with that. But let me know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on the latest episode of Supergirl? Do you watch it or do you not, and why? Let's have that conversation, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. We're the girls at Unpredictably Us podcast. I'm Athena. And I'm Christy. We're two friends that are running through life's unpredictable obstacles to see how well we achieve or fail those crazy moments. We know a life without some living in it won't provide a story worth telling. So grab some coffee, maybe wine and buckle up because we're going on another adventure. You can sit with us on Wednesday. Welcome to Unpredictably as yes Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren in Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to say happy birthday to one of our favorite characters in the DC Comics universe. Mm -hmm. Pad, who are we talking about?
1: Robin, the boy Wonder. Yes. or at least the moniker, I
0: guess. Exactly, because being 80 years old, uh, not really a boy anymore, but... Dick Grayson is now 80 in comics terms, mm-hmm. so to speak. And depending on what timeline you read. Because it's convoluted. Yes. Uh, this week is supposed to be technically his birthday. Now, whether you buy that or not is a whole different story because he first appeared in Detective Comics 38 way back in April in 1940. Mm-hmm. So he's 80 years old either way. And to see how this character has evolved over time. Yeah. Has been absolutely crazy. Because, Pat, would you ever think, from seeing where he originally started, obviously being the tragic tale of his parents killed in the circus accident, to being taken under the wing of Batman to see him... his young ward. Yes, to see the ward eventually grow up to become one of the most notable names in all the DC comics. Have you ever that it was going to take off from this?
1: No. I mean, if, if you sat there and like wiped all comics knowledge and, and superhero knowledge from my brain... And and just kind of reintroduced me to some stuff and just kind of said, hey, here's his character. Read this issue. Do you think he's going to go anywhere? I'll be like, no, I think he's just going to be there. You know, he'll be, you know, because you read it and you look at it, you go, okay, Bruce is going to help the guy out. He's going to send him someplace nice, you know, a nice foster home, hook him up with some sort of, you know, I forget what the term is, but it, you know when parents die and they leave their kids money, they got to hit a certain age when they can get the money. No trust fund. Thank you. He was going to set him up with some sort of trust fund type thing for when the kid. You know, if you just look at it on the surface and go, oh, he's going to help the kid out. You know, Bruce feels bad for him. He's he's been there. Never would have thought that he would have come to become what we know him at today as.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to think of how is evolved from there and really grown into a, a place where robin has evolved to be from the first modern sidekick on all of comics into the character that he is right now with dick grayson being arguably one of the most popular characters in all the dc comics let alone comics in
1: general let's say you walk around any comics convention new york comic-con san diego comic-con emerald city comic-con pick your comic-con there's going to be a fair number of either dick grayson robin costumes or even Nightwing
0: costumes. Right, just to see the evolution and that's one thing we're going to be really talking about this segment too because for 80 years being in the comics, I don't want to say he's the modern day Chris Jericho but if you think about it he's reinvented himself time in and time in and he's gotten himself over with fans Mm -hmm. because if you think about it, first he came in as the young teenage ward of Batman. The leaping gargoyles Batman. Yes, and he's been the balance to Batman's darkness which mm-hmm. is always key and I mean if you really want to even fast forward if you ever read this you know the comic of Batman a lonely place of dying yeah to really get the story of why Batman needs Robin I highly recommend it but it's always been the counterbalance for Batman and to see how he's had this ward where he's been training him in the ways to fight crime and obviously focuses anger for what happened to his parents into a positive direction and save other people it's really been an interesting take because it echoes a lot of what happened to him but dick grayson is no bruce wayne no and we're all thankful for that
1: yeah i don't think the world could handle two
0: bruce wayne's no definitely couldn't i mean closest we have is damian wayne right yeah. now but but we'll even, kinda, even they're different but we'll, yeah they're very different for Very distinct reasons, but we kind of even just dive into it, because when Robin started taking off and started getting into his own stories, it's always been interesting to see how it plays out, because obviously for being that time period of comics, it's always just really campy, really fun. Really hokey. Yeah, it's not the stuff that you see nowadays. No. But the most notable thing for this is, especially for the success of Robin, this is when you started seeing more sidekicks appear, mm-hmm. primarily in D.C. I know that Captain America had Bucky, right. and obviously that's a different time period to what's going on there. But for Marvel, you never really see the sidekicks take off per se as no. much as D.C. D.C. has almost had a, like a family type vibe where it's always been passed down from <laughs> mantle to mantle. So, to yeah, say, yeah, because it got to be such a point that all the teenage sidekicks formed their own team. And this is where you really saw the character Dick Grayson take off in his own ways because once he was formed into the Teen Titans along with Kid Flash and Aqualad and Wonder Girl and where they really spawned it from there, it was a really interesting take of how these characters could get together because, sure, are they going to fight the same people that the Justice League fights? No. No, but are they still a team and they're heroes nevertheless? Yeah. Absolutely. So to see how they branched off and, and went their own path at the time was very unheard of. Very groundbreaking. It was very groundbreaking. And to see how the history of the Teen Titans has gone over and just to see their evolution over time. I mean, from when they first went appeared in, what, the Brave and the Bold 54 way back when? Right. To where they are now and see the evolution of that team, especially when they went through – you know, in the 80s, too, with Wolfman and Perez writing, and their mm-hmm. 70s and 80s, rather, too. I mean, just with everything going on with that run, and you see storylines like the Judas contract and, and everything that's gone on there when they reinvented themselves yet again. Just to see how Dick Grayson has formed into the leader of that team and really just we've seen him grow up before our eyes mm-hmm. it has just been absolutely wild, too, to see that everything that he's gone through, he's still been the closest we have to a Spider-Man in the DCU. Yeah. That he's always just been, I don't want to say happy-go-lucky, but he's always been the most genuine, pure-hearted hero that's yeah. been in the DCU. Yeah. And he just from the evolution he's gone in, he's probably the most well-liked of all the heroes. I'd say so. And yeah, just to see how he's a complete difference from Batman, yet he can work with Batman, balance him out, still be one of the most... You know, most dedicated heroes involved, but yet not over the line like Batman is, where it's almost like the obsession. Mm-hmm. This is where he still finds that balance and still has just that genuine goodness to his character that he really just wants to help people. And just to see how he's spawned into for future heroes being somebody they look up to, mm-hmm. you know, it's just absolutely a wild take to see. Cause I mean, you can go through how this teen Titans has just been the evolution of his team. And like I say, when they got into the eighties, I mean that's when they really kicked in the gear. Is once this team really started going and really focused on how Robin was growing up in front of our eyes. This is when we saw him transfer over to Nightwing. Right. And at the time it was unheard of. Like, what do you mean Dick Grayson is no longer Robin? He's gonna be Nightwing? Mm-hmm. And that probably
1: went over real well.
0: Well, you know, anytime a character like that really switches gears and goes over like that. It's always a weird time period to mm-hmm. see. Because it, it's like when you have a, a classic character like Superman or Batman or Spider-Man switch up their costume and everybody loses their mind on the internet. Yeah. You have to remember, this time, internet was not really a thing.
1: I was like, can you imagine the, uh, if the internet was a thing during Superman Red and Blue?
0: <sighs> uh, that would have gone over real well. I think if it was around during the time of like Superman's death... Oh, that would have been absolutely nuts. That would have broke the internet. Yeah. No, that absolutely would have. No, I, I fully believe that. But at this time period, when you just see it, and you just go down to your local comic shops, I mean, it still resonates to this day. You can still walk in there and start talking about when Robin switched over to Nightwing and the effect that had on people. It was just absolutely weird to see at the time. It's like, whoa, like Dick Grayson has grown up. Mm-hmm. And now look at him and where he is. And seeing that costume, too, which, like I say, it always throws me off mm-hmm. for being in the 70s because the original costume pad, which I'm not sure you have ever seen, he has this huge disco collar. Oh, God. Y- yeah, you, you just need to web search it for the original Nightwing costume. That always just throws me off with the 70s vibe to it. Doing but, it right now. Yeah, you need to take a look at that because I, I don't think you've ever seen that. But for me, seeing that, I was like, okay, that's got to be a 70s thing. That almost looks like disco to me. But to see how he has just really stepped up for Holy that. Holy Christ. Yeah, exactly. See, every time, like I say, I always get confused of what time period it is because of that There's, costume. There's no confusing what time period that is. Exactly. You see that costume. and I know. it's, And that's 80s. I, it's supposed to be, but doesn't it look take, like 70s? Take, take a few
1: of the pieces off, and that looks like something Travolta wore in Saturday Night Fever.
0: Thank you. See, th- that's why I always try to explain to people when I'm talking about it. Like, I know the Titans are in the 80s, but every time I see that damn costume, I'm like, a straight 70s disco. Good lord, I know it's wild to think, but for what that plunging v neck, though, exactly Jesus. Well, that I say, Dick Grayson came out guns blazing in the 80s with that suit, but seeing that reaction pff, is still it's just absolutely wild to see to this day and to see just how the evolution of the character, too. I mean, he finally made tweaks to it later on down the line, thank god, because like I said, that collar just
1: yeah, I'll say he made tweaks to it. Look at that one, yeah. The collar's going up over his head.
0: I, it's comics, man. Oy. <laughs> we, as that, we de- that's like a Mr. Sinister level high. Yeah, as, as we defined, reasons. Yeah. But as in seeing the evolution of Dick Grayson, too, where he finally was stepping up to and in the 90s as well, he finally got his own solo book, too, which is the first time ever seeing the Nightwing book, which has been amazing. When Chuck Dixon was writing that, too, at the beginning. Yeah. <sighs> Phenomenal run there. And just seeing how he took over his own city of Bloodhaven, finally leaving Gotham and really carving his own niche in the DCU and seeing how that evolution took over as well. And even to the point where we had Nightfall, which was the big Batman was broken and, and, right. and the battle for the cowl and why it went to Asriel, we're just going to define it as reasons because that was such a bad look because it should have gone to Dick Grayson to get his time as Batman. Even though it's very weird for me to say, I really don't think I could ever see Dick Grayson as a standing Batman. No. What do you think, Pat?
1: Uh, just I think when you look at the the two characters themselves, you strip away the costumes and the and the titles and everything else. They're two very different people. Whereas Bruce is ready to toe that line, over crossing from hero to villain. Dick won't. Mm-hmm. Dick Dick's line is a little further back. He'll do what he has to to get things done, but there's still a line that's further back that he won't cross. And I just think, you know, the Batman moniker was created to instill fear and, and, you know, everything else with the villains and really put them in their place. I think if you were to switch it up and put Dick in the costume, they'd be able to have a run of the city just because they knew, all right, you know, something's different. This isn't the Batman we're used to. You know, you're, you're letting the inmates run the asylum.
0: Yeah. So obviously with him being in charge, it was just a different vibe to it. Of when he finally took over the role of Batman, and it was a, it was a good vibe too because at the time a lot of fans were mad, and me too, especially too, when he did not get his run and they gave it to Azrael, and like I understand Azrael was like the '90s you know look of a, yeah. of a hero at the yeah. time, and obviously that whole bat suit and where that character went in the direction was absolutely pff, well off the tracks in my opinion. But I understand why DC did it. I'm not mad about it, but to give Dick Grayson finally a run in the cowl. Tim Drake was taking over the role of Robin, too, because, I mean, once he left and became Nightwing, mm-hmm. the character Robin has gone through some different incarnations. We yeah. talk about Jason Todd. Yeah. Very polarizing amongst fans. To say the least. When you have an 800 number to decide if you want the character alive or dead. And fans, when everyone calls it the dead number, not thinking it's legitimate. Exactly. And then winds up happening in the comics. That definitely says a lot for the character. And then Tim Drake was the one who really resonated with, the Robin-esque vibe to bringing him back mm-hmm. and to see how that took place. And, I mean, there's been various incarnations throughout the world or throughout the comics as well because, I mean, we had Stephanie Brown, was a spoiler play that too, Carrie Kelly from A Dark Knight Returns, the Frank yep. Miller books, yep. and even more so now Damian Wayne who has won fans over yeah. from originally coming out there and just being an absolutely pain in the ass to now – he has been under the moniker. Bruce has
1: had it too easy for about too long. He had to have a pain in the ass.
0: Right, which he finally got, but it took Dick Grayson working with him when when Batman had disappeared and the whole right. Batman RIP and, and one of the right. crises were. Yeah, just Grant Morrison writing. So he just he went. So, Reasons. Yeah, that's the easiest way I'm going to describe it. You want a Google search or go down to your local comic shop when it reopens, please do and go down that rabbit hole because that is worth a read to say the least. But to see how the evolution of Robin has happened in comparison with Dick Grayson, I mean, this first time we saw Dick Grayson go to a different city. We saw him go and really find himself and become the hero of a town, too, where Gotham had Batman, but Bloodhaven did not. and Bloodhaven had Nightwing. And to see how that character has evolved over time, too, where you have seen him go through absolutely everything and anything in comics from having his identity exposed to going underground for a little bit to coming back and now dealing with what is going on in the comics, and I know you love teasing me the hell about this. Rick Grayson. Yeah, which I I have, I have I don't like because I, I understand why they did it, and I get it from the creative aspect, and I'm not mad about that. I just can't stand that damn character.
1: I'm, one of these days I'm going to call you up, just say the name, and hang
0: up. Yeah, I have caller ID, so I just won't pick up. But to see eventually he's going to come back because Dick Grayson as a character is just too damn popular. Oh, yeah. And he's just one fans over. I mean, this is especially why when we see when Titans was doing their live-action show on the DC Universe and when the whole F-Batman line came out, yeah. everybody was going, this isn't Dick Grayson. That's because Dick Grayson is a staple of what is good and what is a he's noble Boy character. Scout. He's the Boy Scout, but he's not... I don't want to say that he is the walking embodiment of Steve Rogers. Right. But he does win over fans for being just the good-hearted hero of the DCU and the one that everybody likes working with. I think, even, in fact, Superman even said that. Mm-hmm. Something He's like, people like you more than they like me. And it's a true statement because yeah. he just he is inspiring that new generation just to see how he took off and carved his own niche too because how many superhero sidekicks, Pat, can you mm-hmm. name top of your head that have spawned off into the, being their own hero? from out of the shadow. Not many. I mean Wally West had a run as the Flash.
1: Sure, I mean they've all had runs
0: more or less,
1: but none to the extent that, you know, Dick Grayson has had. Right. Where we're coming up on like we're coming up it's 80 years now and by and large, maybe a few blips here and there, he's always been a part of the story. You know, yeah, he might not be featured prominently, he might go a couple of months where you don't hear from him, but he's still involved in some way. He, he still might make an appearance like, oh, hey, I had to come here, you know, yeah, he operates out of Bloodhaven, but you might still see him pop in every now and then, oh, hey, I had to come into town for this, or I had to come into town for that.
0: Right, so, I mean, when, he's, when, he's in, when he was in Bloodhaven, yeah, sure, and now, like, obviously, with everything being reset, with new 52, yeah, And Rebirth, it's a different time period, and Grayson is kind of now just carving his own niche throughout the DCU, primarily in Gotham. They haven't really gone too much to Bloodhaven since, but either way, it is something that to say this character has evolved over 80 years into a hero that was supposed to be original throwaway teen at the time is truly a remarkable feat for seeing how this character did. Yeah and see how he's been translated in the TV shows. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the cartoon yeah. played a very prominent role.
1: Yeah, definitely featured prominently in that, and there was also the random moment in the series where he just turned into Nightwing, and there was, like, no explanation. Yeah. that yeah. Like, as good as the cartoon is, it's got its faults, and just randomly switching... Dick Grayson to Nightwing and having Tim Drake being the new Robin without any sort of explanation was definitely one of the weirder moments.
0: I have to agree. I, it, it, but it was well needed at the point because you had to reflect it. Cause I it mean,
1: fa- I realize comic fans such as yourself might understand it, might get it. But, hi, me being the, you know, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid who hadn't read any of the comics and had no idea about any of that, I was confused as hell.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is confusing unless you really know it and really read it and can, can really translate it. Yeah. To, Because then when you try translating his romances between Barbara Gordon and Starfire, that is a messy – and that is just those two alone. I'm not even getting into the rest of his history. I'm just saying he's not exactly an easy character to figure out unless you read the comics and you can really translate it to. I would say, do you have any comic stories that stick out to you?
1: Not really comic stories, but I would just say kind of his whole... The way he was done in the animated series kind of sticks out for me the most. Just because he he appeared a little bit here and there in in the animated series. He wasn't ever featured heavily. Mm -hmm. You know, he had his appearances, and that was very cool. I think kind of for me where he... He was always the sidekick for me and never really rose to prominence for me until Teen Titans, the first animated series, the good animated series, Mm -hmm. came around where... He was the leader, and he was on his own. That it finally felt like I finally realized: oh, this isn't just some sidekick, comedic relief that is to pal around with Batman. And Batman has under his tutelage,
0: you know this this guy's a legitimate threat. For me, I gotta say there's a couple stories that stick out. One one of my favorite Robin stories is one you can't find anywhere. It's very hard to find, and it's called Batman the Gauntlet, mm-hmm. and it's basically the final test a Robin must pass. To become officially a Robin, and you have to hide from Batman in Gotham for 24 hours. Good friggin' luck. Yeah, it's a it's a brilliant story if you can find it. Um, DC I, Universe might have it. I gotta go search again. I couldn't find it on there last time. Ooh, interesting. So, and it's been very hard to print. And I my copy, unfortunately, was washed away in the when we had our flood here in 06. Mm. So that one is always a storyline that sticks out to me. Um, I, the Judas contract too, cause that was especially for teen Titans and seeing how deathstroke rose to prominence in that one. And you get, you understand the dynamic between those two characters, mm-hmm. I think is really well done. Um, I also like, I say his original run with, uh, Chuck Dixon writing and Nightwing yeah. where he went to blood Haven and really carved his own niche. And another, uh, storyline that really just sticks out to me too. And it's kind of weird is I do like, uh, Actually, Grant Morrison, or I believe it was Grant Morrison, right? When there was the Batman and Robin se- season or er, series, when, okay. when Batman was gone, and you had Damian Wayne under him. Mm. And it was just such a different dynamic of those two paired up. And I think it really worked. And I think one of the series that is most slept on, too, is his actual Grayson series, nah. where he's actually a super spy. Oh, very good, like very underrated, in my opinion. Okay, like And just now, too, since he's come back, has had some moments. Uh, the Rick Grayson thing, just not vibing with. But overall, Dick Grayson has set that legacy for 80 years and just reinvented himself time and time again. We've given you a bunch of different scenarios where it has. So why don't you hit us up on hashtag ODPH. What is your favorite incarnation of Nightwing? What is your thoughts on Dick Grayson? 80 years, favorite moment, or how has he lasted this long? We definitely want to have that conversation. So why don't you hit us up, let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is
1: Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horizon 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew.
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one shots? Got
1: a couple of things. First, a little bit of comedic relief, as we mentioned with C-19 going on and all the headaches and issues everyone's having with that. uh, One I think everyone can agree on is finding toilet paper. Mm -hmm. uh, Finding toilet paper, a little scarce these days, a little hard to find, uh, but a little something to laugh at. James Gunn uh, went to Twitter uh, and said, quote, I bought a bunch of these rolls of toilet paper as a joke when Michael Rooker came over for Christmas a couple of years ago. I put them in all of the bathrooms of the house. I never thought we were actually going to have to use them, but here we are. And he put a photo of it, and it's a photo of Michael Rooker at some premiere taking his sunglasses off, and it just says Rooker underneath. Jeez. So he's now having to use these joked rolls of toilet paper he bought as a prank for a couple of years ago in all actuality. So I thought it was pretty funny, and if you look him up on Twitter, it's a pretty funny photo.
0: Yeah, it's just one of him at uh. It's, it looks like some press conference. Yeah, just take sunglass,
1: sunglasses off trying to look all cool, you know, looking at the camera. It just says Rooker. Oh, that's that's something. Definitely something funny to laugh at. Uh, moving on, other thing I got to mention, because I know a lot of people are asking me about it. Rosario Dawson has uh, been cast as a Ahsoka Tano for season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, So obviously Ahsoka Tano uh, started off and came to rose to prominence in Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the animated series as Anakin's apprentice, uh, voiced by Ashley Eckstein, you know, and also appeared in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, So very fan rose from uh, rose from a character that started off having articles written about her being a love triangle with Anakin and Padme. Mm -hmm. I very distinctly remember that. I think it was in USA Today. Uh, sitting at work in the break room, paper sitting there, oh, love triangle with Anakin and this new character. I'm like, uh, she's a child. No. Yeah. A little weird uh, to the fan favorite character to the point where hashtags are getting created and trending, you know, you know, Ahsoka lives and all this, you know. So I know a lot of people that, what do you think about uh, Rosario Dawson being cast as Ahsoka? I'm okay with it. You know, I think Rosario Dawson is a very great actress. She's very good, you know, in, in everything that she does. And I would be skeptical were it not for the fact that Dave Filoni is involved with this show. Okay. Dave Filoni, of course, was the you know director and producer of Star Wars, the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. You know, Ahsoka is his baby mm. in, for all intents and purposes. You know, so one of the, because obviously George Lucas was the executive producer on Star Wars, the Clone Wars. So one of the people that helped create and bring Ahsoka Tano to life is involved with the character. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Who is the one that voiced her on Rebels? That was uh, Ashley Eckstein as well.
0: Okay, so I know Ron from 3FN was really pushing for her to be cast. Yeah. So No, that'd
1: be that'd be good, but just it it'd be interesting to see what they do with this because the last we saw Ahsoka was the series finale of Rebels, which was the end shot was set after Return of the Jedi, where the Empire was defeated and all this and all that, so they were were, were going a spoiler alert. Uh, although the whole series is on Disney Plus, watch it. Yeah, you know they were uh, one of the other characters was going with Ahsoka to find the one of the other main characters Ezra. Ezra had gone missing in the events prior to uh, the original Star Wars film, so they were going off looking for him. You know, trying to find him. So it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this because. You know, she was very clearly going off on this mission. Maybe this ties in with that mission? Who's to say? Because, as we know, Mandalorian is set after the events of Return of the Jedi.
0: It, it's quite possible. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much talk about Dawson even getting spun off into her own show. Which I'd be all right with that. I'd be completely all right yeah. with that, especially if, if Anakin, or I mean, Obi-Wan is still held up in mm-hmm. pre-production hell. Uh, I'm completely fine with this yeah. casting. I'm actually pretty excited. I mean, Rosario Dawson has always done good work, especially when it's involved in the comic genre. Mm-hmm. So can't really falter on you know being in this role and see where no. she takes it. So I'm, I'm on board with it. Yeah. And Mandalorian has not done any wrong thus far, no. so... All their casting, I'm, I'm on board with. So yeah. when season two comes around, I know they're adding more people as well. Yep. So have to keep our eyes off for that. So oh, yeah. when that finally drops. Yep. So for me, for one shots, uh, a couple quick notes uh, for corrections, I guess we could say. Wonder Woman 84, August 14th is ah, released. okay. So that's going to be coming on. And during the Walking Dead segment, I actually mentioned the Junk uh, Yard Queen. Mm-hmm. It was Anne, also known as Jadis who is played by Pollyanna McIntosh. Ah, uh, okay. So that's what I was thinking of that. So just figure out to clear that up before I get jumping in. Because uh, honestly, with I usually give the comic read of what's going on with the Wednesday poll list and what's going on from um, you know Justin from Song S- 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 Around. And uh, obviously shout out Brian from Cheers to Comics, and I'll always shout that show out too. Uh, Obviously, with everything going on with C-19, some people can't get to, the sh- to their comic shops. I don't know if anybody's doing deliveries or, t- or pickup service or anything going on with that, so you'd have to check your local shops out for that because uh, there still is some good books that are slated to come out. And The only thing I guess I could say is instead of giving some recommendations, which I'll just say go listen to Cheers the Comics because Brian has been breaking down everything that's coming out this week. Mm-hmm. So I will give that for the, the official recommendation. I will just say this, and I know we've been harping about this between us, Three Fat Nerds, Horizon 607 is when local business is running again in full hours, go there. Mm-hmm. Support them. Yeah, Don't use store credit if you have it. Pay right there with whatever you go support them because they're going to need to come back in a big way. I know that uh, distribution to comic shops has been halted. I, I was reading something about Diamond has been shutting yeah. down distribution. Yeah. So it is very, very imperative if you can go out and support your local shops, whether if they have their own merch, maybe pick up some merch. Uh, if you can get gift certificates, that would help too. It is just very important to support your shops because I, I know there was a long Twitter thread going on this past week about is this the death of comic shops. It's hard to say. I would hope not. I think that with everything going on with C-19, everybody's being as safe as possible. But in the meantime, the only thing we I can really just stress is try supporting them in any way you can. Mm-hmm. Whether it's buying a gift certificate, whether it's buying merch. I know I'm repeating myself, but I really want to drive this point home. Go out and support your local shops. Go out and support your local restaurants. If they're doing takeout, go get takeout. If they're doing delivery, Go do, you know, support them that way. Same thing. If there's a local artist, we are fortunate enough, we have a lot of great local music on this show from the 607. A lot of those bands cannot play gigs right now, and it's uncertain when they're going to be able to get out and play live, and that's part of their livelihood. So if you can go out and go download some music from them and pay for it, if you can go buy some merch, buy some merch, we also are friends with local independent pro wrestlers. The biggest thing you can do right now is go support them through buying merchandise from ProWrestlingTees.com if they have merchandise there. Yeah. Whether What is their local fed? Is there merchandise there? Is there something like IndependentWrestling.TV where something can be helped to support them there? If it's something like that, try checking it out. It's very imperative to really be in this time trying to help Everybody you can.
1: Yeah, I think in regards to the wrestling thing, I think Shelton Benjamin, of course, with WWE, put it best on Twitter today. Uh, he said, quote, amazing talents not on a WWE roster are going through a tough struggle with zero coming in due to uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So if you have the means to support your favorite independent wrestler, buy their merch and support their platforms. Hashtag support indie wrestling. We are all in this together.
0: Absolutely. So, if you can do it, because I know times are tough for everybody, if you can do it, support them. If you can, even
1: even if it's just tweeting out a link,
0: exactly. That's what I'm saying. If you can't do it financially, tweet out a link, leave a review for their Facebook page, do something to help their algorithm out, so that way people can know about them and try helping if they can do it. If you're if you can, please do it. If, if you can't do it financially because it's just it's a tough situation, I fully get that. And that's the thing. Tweet out a link. Share something on your Facebook page or your social media accounts. Try helping those people out because they need it very much so. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, we don't have a timetable and everything is going to go back to normal. I wish we could, but we don't. So the best thing we can do right now is try supporting in any which way, shape, or form we can. And that's something we'll be harping on from now until this podcast ends <laughs> whenever that day is going to be, is support local any which way you can. So that being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. But I want to give a plug out to Yard Party. Now, Yard Party is a band that's going to be appearing on the ODPH at some point. C19 is preventing that from happening right now at the studios. But mark my words, Yard Party and Tom Jolo will be on at some point. Yard Party has a new EP coming out this Friday, and we will have their social media account where you can go find it posted in on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, so you can definitely go check it out. But one thing that you can go check out right now is they made a music of the 607 Spotify list. So you'll hear Floodlands. You'll hear Second Suitor. You'll hear Tom Jolu. You'll hear Shout at the Robots. You'll hear Walking Distance. You'll hear a lot of great music that is from local artists, in this area they put out for the world to hear so if you want to find out more information on them ochoduroparlayar.com head over to the music section you can find out about a lot of those bands right now and like i said i'll have the link up for yard party by the end of the day and also on odph the website that is known as Hour.com, you can go check out the odph directory where we have links for tom from off the cuff gaming shout out to him was interacting on that live video that he was posting he's playing some lego super villains there pad oh okay i know there's a game close to your heart and he's going to be uh, teaming up with us for something going on in may which i'll touch upon in just a second but you can also find on the odph directory links to excite wrestling which they're posting their youtube channel excite classics going on and they have a big event going on saturday night their hardcore hell where they're going to be playing the most violent matches in Excite Wrestling history. Oh, boy. And I have no idea what Johnny Moose has in store. He's been on social media silence about this. So you'll have to tune in and find out. So you find out the links on there as well. And you can also check out all the great podcasting groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. Shout out to Legion of Indie Pods. Shout out to Next Wave. And of course, shout out to hashtag 607podcasts, where you can find the links to the 8122 Productions family, Three Fat Nerds podcast. What up, Rich Ron? And hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel, who is on Twitter, Pad. Oh, boy. At Big Natty Cool. Definitely go interact with that. He's got content for days that's not behind a paywall. But you know what is behind a paywall? Love is Scary, which you can find on 8122Productions.com's Patreon. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. I can't describe what I'm hearing on that show. Oh, boy. I wish I could. Pad. I will let you borrow those episodes again. I and I don't know if it's going to burn your ears I'll off. Say, I'm
1: not sure I'm ready for that.
0: I don't know if you can handle it. I know the, the first time you heard it, you were like, "What is going on here?" Yep. Because along with
1: some along with some other choice
0: words. Yes, because the Doctor Elevenomics Diesel is coming for Doctor Drew, and he's got two new episodes lined up. They're going to be dropping Wednesday as we record. So if you want to find out all about that, you just kind to of have to pop over at 8122productions.com. And then check out the wrestling show, which I, I'm on with Rich from the 3FN Networks. Talking a little pro wrestling, too, so i got to give that a quick plug. All that, plus links for live stream for The Cure, which we are going to be appearing on May 27th through the 31st. We are slated to appear Sunday, May 31st, 1 to 2 p.m. It's going to be a hashtag seven podcast takeover. No idea what we're doing yet. A lot of people have said they're going to be swinging through, so... I don't know who's going to be appearing in the feed. I don't even want to try teasing it because I don't know what we're going to wind up doing. But we're going to be doing one thing for certain that's raising money for the Cancer Research Institute to kick cancer's ass. So if you can help out there, it is greatly appreciated. That's on the Epic Film Guys Twitch channel. Links for all that are all on ochoduroparlayhour.com. Pat, that's all I got for this week. So for you, my co-host. Thank you, thank you. I am your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs)